0: welcome to the EchoCast. i am bond and this is a podcast about video game news speculation reviews and whatever else i feel like chatting about this week we'll be chatting about my modern warfare 2 campaign thoughts god of war ragnarok previews g4 tv shutting down and legitimately a bunch more a few things before we get started subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and if you're on spotify or itunes please review the show on youtube please subscribe to the channel like the video and comment with your thoughts or just to say hello a huge thanks to the supporter level patrons pk the dawn caged nephilim and a special thanks to producer level patron hassan if you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out patreon.com slash bond diesel or use your prime sub over at twitch.tv slash bond diesel. Okay, gaming news. Let's get into it. So first I'm going to talk about the um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 campaign. I'm not going to talk about, um, details of the story. Uh, I, I, I will kind of talk about what I thought of the story, but no details. So no spoilers in that sense. Um, I will be speaking a little bit about mechanics and stuff like that. Um, that shouldn't spoil anything, but if you want to go in completely blind and you didn't pre-order and you're not playing it already, then, um, uh, skip uh five or 10 minutes, maybe, um, So, yeah, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, a sequel to the Call of Duty 2019. Uh, I've had multiple people and I've seen different things. So the 2019 Modern Warfare was a prequel to Call of Duty 4, or it's like a kind of a reimagining. And then this this game, well, this Modern Warfare 2, the way it ends, I think, kind of answers that question. And because I'm not doing any spoilers, I'll just leave it there. So maybe I'll talk about it again after um, the game is out properly for a week or two. uh, And I feel like um, I can talk about it without spoiling things for most people. Um, It's not a super long uh, campaign. Um, It took me two days, uh, two long play sessions to do it, which was it felt good, though. That's how most of their campaigns are. Their campaigns are never, you know, 50 hour, you know long drawn out things. They tend to be maybe 10, 15, 20 hours at the most. And I, I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, my only critique, well, one thing I liked is that really quickly they have you doing, um, more interesting stuff than just run and kill everything you see. Um, another thing that I can't really decide whether it's a compliment or, and a, or a complaint, is that the, I played on normal and I even had to drop it down to the the easiest difficulty three or four times through the game. I found it extremely challenging. Um, this isn't really a spoiler. You run into armored enemies and they are, maybe there's a trick to them that I didn't understand. My impression is you just had to shoot either their helmet armor or their chest armor and break it. And then they would die fairly normally. Um, maybe there's a trick to that, but I couldn't figure it out. And I really struggled with the armored enemies. And then about halfway through the game, they throw a big, um, as far as I know, a completely unique um, experience into the game. And um, I, I won't talk about what it is because I, I think it it is interesting and it's cool. And it is, in my opinion, very creative Um, considering most of their uh, campaigns. So I'm still kind of like 50-50 if I liked it or not, but I did appreciate that it was something different. Um, My biggest complaint is the ending. Again, I won't spoil the ending. I won't give any details about the ending, Um, but a thing comes back up literally at the almost very end of the game. That, like, I just was, like, shaking my head, being like, oh, come on. Like, why are we doing this? Um, So, without spoiling things, I'll probably just leave it there. But, um, overall, I really enjoy it. If if you like Call of Duty single-player campaigns, especially the Modern Warfare ones, this will be right up your alley. Um... I, I don't think it stuck the landing. I, I feel like the ending was a little rough. Um, we are uh, we do know uh, and if you don't know this already, you you know here you go here's your info um, th- this will be the only call of duty for like a couple years. So um, th- this you know there, there isn't going to be another call of duty in 2023. So the idea is that they're going to continue supporting this game um, for two years now. The assumption is is that uh, warzone warzone 2 or whatever is gonna get like the 95% of that attention but what we've heard is that the single player is going to have like raids that you can do cooperatively it's going to have this DMZ mode where it's supposed to be kind of like Tarkov ish um, and my bet is that they're going to have story dlc that might be confirmed i swore i heard that um but in this exact moment i'm not positive um so if that hasn't been said my guess is that is going to happen um i'm curious if it will be like offshoot stories or if it will try to connect um the this game to whatever they do next uh so we'll have to wait and see about that but um Overall, I think it was a good experience. I enjoyed the game. Um, I, I, I think it's, if, if you're a Call of Duty person, um, when people ask me, like, how did you not play Mass Effect back when they came out and things like that, it's because uh, back in the, at that time, I was in college and I was the guy who bought every Call of Duty and every Madden and every FIFA and uh, uh, Battlefield and that was like that i was that guy i was that bro right so um i was all over these type of games i still enjoy them i can't do like the like world war ii call of duties and stuff like that even black ops has kind of lost me um but the modern warfare games i am uh, i'm here for them so uh this was i was very happy with it um I am kind of curious now of like, okay, so I will probably come back for these raids and this DMZ mode and stuff like that. Um, i'm sure i'll play the multiplayer for a week or two but that kind of drops off for me um it just doesn't stay fun very long Um, unlocking stuff is a blast and the way they're doing the um the gun situation this time where there's only like four or five different frames but then there's like endless possibilities with how you can customize each uh weapon platform i'm i'm interested in at least checking it out so um really really good story um I I would say maybe uh I would say above average for Call of Duty single player games. Um not going to be game of the year. Okay. Like it's 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 good. The graphics and stuff are excellent. Um it it, it looks really really good. Their cutscenes are funny because the character models look very very good. But their their jaws all move very unnaturally where it almost looks like their jaws are like stretching down when they talk rather than there being like a mechanical like jaw like moving up and back because like I mean we you know we can move our jaws a little bit to the side and but mostly our jaws go straight up and down that's you know that's their function um but like I swear their mouths would go like side to side sometimes it was a it's a nitpick it's it's such a small thing that I noticed um but it really kind of threw me off because they the character models look so good in the cutscenes and then during but then when they start talking every now and then you notice like there's that like um there's that thing in your brain that like notices when something human is doing something that isn't human it's like there's something off um and I definitely think that was triggering for me so if, if you don't notice it then don't worry about me and I hope I don't ruin it for you um but it was something that was kind of interesting to me um and i'm curious if i see anyone else talk about it what a lot of people have been talking about today is the resident evil 4 remake uh trailer so um go uh, capcom put out a trailer today for the uh, the big resident evil 4 remake this has been a pattern for capcom in the last so many years um the let's see they 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 did a complete like complete remake from scratch of resident evil 2 and that was really 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 good it's so like i mean basically a new game obviously it's following the old games general story and 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 stuff but man that resident evil 2 like that remake was just it was just so good it was like it was it looked so good and it played really well and it just the, the the way they modernized the game was perfect it's just that was like like a 10 out of 10 in my opinion and i didn't even finish it I, I those games scare the crap out of me i can't finish them but i paid for it and i really enjoyed what i played of it um the resident evil 3 remake that they did not too long after that didn't get quite the same reaction um it, it i guess i think it was like really short and it like i think it left out a lot of content i believe. And it just wasn't as good is the impression I got. So now they're doing the resident evil four remake. And this was an interesting one because four was a big departure for this, the franchise. Um, it was a big, it was when they, I believe when they went to the over the shoulder view of like a more modern game games that you would see today. And, um, it's pretty beloved. I've never played resident evil four, if I have to be totally honest. And, um, I'm curious to see how when the game comes out, people react because people still love Resident Evil 4, the original. Uh, and I think they did like a, like a remaster or something, uh, like an upgraded version for like the GameCube or something, maybe. I can't remember. Um, but it's it's a beloved game in the franchise. Um, and I'm really curious to how they're going to do with this one. From what we saw, like graphically, it looks fantastic. It looks just top notch um feels very resident evil 2e in that way where i imagine this has been redone from scratch completely um with gameplay and stuff like that this was one resident evil 4 i believe was the first one that introduced like like leon who you play as can like do like this big like swing kick and like knock down like five people at once it became like kind of goofy and a little bit arcadey whereas the previous games were like more quote-unquote like serious and um i'm really curious to how much of that they keep how much of it they get rid of how much of it they you know add or subtract um i'll be really curious to how it goes um it looked really really good though uh, from what i could see Um, I was pretty impressed by it. And it looks like a game that, like, if it reviews good enough, I'll probably get it. Unfortunately, it'll probably be like Resident Evil 2, where I uh, end up not even finishing it and probably never will. But um, I am one who feels like I can uh, play a game and maybe not necessarily finish it or not play it a thousand hours and still feel like my, my cost was worth it and um and feel like i got like a good grasp of the game and that i really enjoyed it so uh so there so resident evil 4 remake looks good gets the the bond thumbs up of approval i guess i that means nothing god of war ragnarok is right around the corner here out in a couple of weeks um this is i have to imagine the most anticipated game of the year Beyond Elden Ring, we will talk about that. Um, but uh, I think at like 10 o'clock today or 9 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, all the, the embargo must have come up for Ragnarok because everyone and their brother had a video come out for it um, talking about it. And so the, the impression I'm getting from the reactions to Ragnarok is the, the people who I follow and watch their videos and their podcasts and stuff, who are, like, Sony fans, who, like, that's their thing, um, think it's great. Think it's um, a big step up from the last game, um, that it, it, it's, it's you know, they're, like, you know, super excited about it, and, like, already being, like, yeah, this is probably going to be, like, this will at least really compete with Elden Ring for Game of the Year. Now, the people who I follow who are more neutral, not really into the, they, they like everything, or, like, their PC players, um, So they won't get to play this for four years. Um, They have been a little bit more like it's more of the 2018 game, obviously with some stuff added and it feels a little more modern, but it's just more of that game. Now, the thing I've seen multiple people say about that, though, is keep in mind, I'm saying it's more of a 10 out of 10 game of the year game like that's not an insult. It just—it's kind of what I was saying. I'm really expecting Ragnarok to be received in a similar fashion as Forbidden West, uh, Horizon, Forbidden West, where the first game was well regarded, really loved, um, you know, rated very well, and then this game, and then Forbidden West came out, and it was like they added stuff, they improved things, but it was still the same idea. And I'm suspecting that God of War is going to be the same thing. And that's okay. Again, 10 out of 10 game, game of the year. Most people won't complain except console war crap. And you should ignore that. So um, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. The, I did see a lot of reviews being like, they could only talk about the first five hours of the game. And that many of them were left with this this feeling of like, it seems like there's more coming here. So, um, you know, people seem pretty hyped about it, as they should. Um, I, I'm really curious to how it's going to play out with the game of the year. Because um, I would say that in game journalism in general, so I'm talking about like the the, the, the game awards, the main show. Um, I think that there is a lean towards Sony with most journalists, and those are the people who are going to vote on game of the year. I think that this game is going to be extremely good. It's going to be a nine and a half or 10 out of 10, um, just like Elden Ring was. And I think that there's going to be a tiny bias for that, that it's, you know, if they're a Sony person, they're going to appreciate the exclusivity and stuff like that. And there's going to be a recency bias. There's going to be people who this is fresh to them. They haven't played Elden Ring in six months Uh, Even though they loved it and gave it a 10 out of 10. And they're going to vote for God of War because they just played it uh, a few weeks before the Game Awards. Right? Uh, And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, And then I think you're going to have people who maybe aren't as into that one platform. Who are going to be like, God of War, amazing game. But Elden Ring kind of changed things. Elden Ring was a statement. And so... I'm really curious to how that's going to play out. Um When Game Awards comes out, then you'll have like the individual, um, you know, podcast and, and, and publications and stuff doing their own game of the years. I bet we'll see uh like Kirby probably get some game of the years from a few random outlets. I bet we'll see like Neon White get some. I saw some people really high on that. Um I think we'll see God of War and Elden Ring get a bunch of them. I bet Elden Ring wins out. Maybe we'll see. Um, But I, I think it's a good thing Now, I, I have to admit some bias That I will never forgive Greater gaming media for giving the first God of War Game of the Year over Red Dead Redemption 2 Because I don't care if you think Red Dead is too long I don't care if you think the controls were hard to figure out They weren't, they took me like 5 minutes And they were actually really intuitive If you wanted to learn them but anyways, that game, Red Dead Redemption 2, from a environment design and art, from an open world like depth, from a character, from a story, from an animation point of view, from everything that Red Dead is in one package, might be the best game ever made, in my opinion, and was definitely the best game released in 2018 not not dishing on the first god of war obviously it was very good it was a huge change for that franchise it was a revitalization um, from the old kind of style god of war games to a more adult a more serious game um but i'm sorry just nothing that game did even came close to what red dead did um in my opinion red dead 2 even if you don't like it was still the best game of that generation and is, has got to be in the top 10 of best games ever made. Um, and it's as a whole package. Again, if you don't like the game, that's fine. But I really find it hard that anyone being even a little bit objective couldn't look at the total package of that game and not at least uh, understand where I'm coming from. So um, so I guess a part of me is kind of rooting for Elden Ring because I really don't want God of War to get it again. Um in that fight, I really don't care. Um, I'm not invested in either of those games, so I'm just kind of sitting back, you know, drinking my coffee and seeing what happens. So yeah. Okay. So Bayonetta three. So this has been quite the saga over the week. Uh, so I believe I reported on this last week, uh, just kind of talking about, uh, the Helena Taylor, the, the old voice actress for Bayonetta, um, putting out these videos, basically saying a bunch of stuff that they're underpaying her stuff like that. So since then, um, uh, the, um, uh, the Bayonetta devs came out and said, no, that's not true. Um, there there was talk that they offered, um, more than that it was kind of weird um, Jennifer Hale who's the current Bayonetta voice actress the new one who's a legendary voice actress most people know her for Shepard in the Mass Effect series but she's been in everything um, you would know her as a lot of things even if you don't realize it um, well Jason Schreier this week released a report on the day he got back from paternity leave and said um, it basically came down to supposedly from emails he's seen and correspondence he's seen they offered her between 15 and $20,000. Um, it was like four or $5,000, uh, for four sessions, um, three to four sessions, I guess. And that was what they actually offered her. Uh, Helena Taylor is still holding that. That is not true. And, um, it seems like for the greater game journalism world, the story is kind of settled. Um, I think it's interesting because a lot of people are basically saying like i guess helena taylor lied i i suspect she didn't i am wondering if there was a miscommunication if maybe she has an agent and her agent maybe didn't report to her things correctly or maybe they didn't understand correctly um i'm i suspect the story is basically over my guess is that uh, Helena's going to no matter what happened is going to have to kind of lick her wounds and tuck her tail uh, for a bit because the big thing was it was one thing to call out Bayonetta's devs in Nintendo um for offering her, for lowballing her supposedly it was another thing to bring Jennifer Hale into it who just took a job you know i i don't know if if i would say that she's like completely outside of the situation i mean she being in the gaming industry knows that bayonetta has been voiced by someone for a long time and now she's doing it you would think that maybe she would have asked a few questions or reached out to taylor or whatever or maybe she was aware of what the dispute was there and she stayed away i have no idea but um it, it, it's, a, it's been an interesting story so jub jub in the discord wanted me to talk about this uh in the listener question so i'm bringing it i'm bringing it now um i i am very curious i i I suspect that we'll eventually get like a look back at this situation like oh well this is what was actually happening um but that may not happen for a while i suspect that they're gonna get real quiet they're gonna put that game out hope it sells a bunch of copies and uh, maybe one day we'll get a retrospective from Helena Taylor or Jason Schreier or something that gives the entire story. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, this week we had a couple new games come out. Um, we had a bunch of games, but these are the two I'm going to talk about. Um, so the first one was Gotham Knights. It currently has a Metacritic score of 69. Nice. Um, yeah, this game seems like it's just like if, you're, if you want a, a Batman brawler, where Batman's dead, um, that has some like light looter and RPG things in it, um, then maybe you'll like it. But it seems like most people are finding it to just be kind of bland and generic. Um, this game sparked a big conversation this week about uh, it was announced that it was only going to have a 30 FPS mode on console. Um, This is after the news a few months ago that this game was supposed to be cross-generation, so it was supposed to be on PS4 and Xbox One, as well as PS5 and Xbox Series consoles, and they canceled that. Um so the assumption was like okay does it doesn't run well on the old consoles they saw what happened with Cyberpunk they are going to avoid that and then you know like less than a week before release they say oh by the way the next gen consoles the even the Series X and the PS5 won't have 60 fps it's going to be 30 and that kind of had a bunch of people like tilting their heads because there there will probably come a time where current gen games are going to come out and they're just going to be 30 fps I don't think that time should be happening yet, especially not for a game that was designed to work on the old consoles. Um, And so to me, it just tells me that they must be crunching or they must have been crunching there at the end. And uh, other things took priority over getting uh, 60 FPS on Series X and PS5. I suspect that almost certainly there will be an update at some point that gives them... um, that 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 gives a performance mode that does 60 fps they probably just have to work on it 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 just wasn't ready um and that's the way it goes it's kind of a bad look and it was an even worse look when i believe a Rocksteady dev uh posted saying that um and a few people a few devs have said this that devs across the industry are trying to um get rid of a requirement xbox has a requirement that to put out a game on the series x it has to also come out for the series s They've dropped that requirement, obviously, for the last gen, but they are sticking to that. And um, there was a dev who went really hard into this, saying that it was the Series S's fault. But then the Gotham Knights uh, put out their PC requirements, and the minimum spec was hardware that's, like, half as powerful as the Series S. So there was a bunch of confusion of, like, okay, like, why are they suggesting this hardware that, like, isn't as powerful as the S? for the pc but then we're acting like it's the series s's fault uh you know blah 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 and so um it's it there's been mostly pushback of people being like and you know you 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 can get 60 fps out of these games at this point still especially gotham knights it's more likely they just ran out of optimization time um there was a dev that i i it always pops up on my timeline i can't stand the person but they made this big point of like well gamers want 60 fps but if we have to take away graphics to do that which they do that's how it works then they're just going to complain about that and i vehemently disagree because i think that people notice graphics for like 3 seconds but they notice smooth 60 fps gameplay forever um and that's why people are willing to take performance modes that drop down to 1440p or 1080 or even lower in some situations to get that 60 fps and i think people are going to be willing to do that for now on anyone who's touched 60 fps it's hard to go back it truly is um now i'm not the kind of person who's like oh it gives me migraines and my eyes hurt it doesn't i can still play it it just doesn't look good compared right So, I poo poo on this idea of the Series S being the problem. I poo poo on this idea of, well, if you do one thing, they'll complain and want the other. That's no, uh uh. And the fact that a game dev who's very experienced in the industry said that, um, they should know better. But this same person like trots out these like super lame, lazy, like, we should treat devs nicer. We should treat devs nicer. But if that's, if you tweet that every week, uh, to, to get lots of likes and quote tweets to make everyone love you. Uh, that's kind of lame, in my opinion. And the take about, um, well, if you do one thing, they'll complain. It is BS, and that's stupid. And I'm annoyed by it, obviously. So 60 FPS is the future. Um, games need to get on board, even if it means fidelity is going to drop. I I think the whole 4K thing... Was something that was really pushed on people including myself and you kind of forget that 2k 1440p and honestly 1080p still looks really good and i would rather have a smooth good looking game um, than one that has a bunch more pixels but we'll see what the uh the greater hive mind thinks in the long run Uh, another big game that came out this week was a plague tale requiem a, uh, a sequel to a Plague Tale, Innocence. It has a, currently has an eighty three on the Metacritic um, from the reviews and stuff I saw. Um, people felt like the story was a little weird. Um, that there were parts of the game that, you know, didn't feel like a huge jump up from the last one. But that overall, it looks beautiful. It has a compelling story, and that it's definitely worth playing. And that eighty three Metacritic. Um, seems to back that up. I did play this game um, for a little bit uh, for maybe an hour or so. Um, It is absolutely gorgeous. It is a very pretty game. Um, I was very impressed by it. Um, I liked it from what I played more than the first one. I felt like it was more intuitive um, and felt nicer to play, Uh, but you know, I'll need to play more before I can really make that full decision. A couple of the last couple of stories here is a good, then a bad one. Um, Kind of funny. uh, The big podcast uh, video crew group uh, who makes gaming podcasts and shows as well as like kind of lifestyle and uh, mass media stuff uh, revealed their new studio over the weekend. Um, So uh, before COVID they were working out of a, I believe essentially a like rented house or like a big apartment or office building. Um, and, uh, then they went to COVID and they all worked from home for two and a half years. And now they just moved into this big, like state of the art, 5,000 square foot, uh, studio. Um, and it's very cool. What I like about it is that it's, it's a lot compared to what they had, but it doesn't seem like too much. They basically have one big, really impressive main stage to do their shows. Then they have like a green room kind of lounge, cafeteria area. Um, and then they have like meeting rooms and stuff like that. Uh, and then they have like a, a streaming lounge where they have, I think, five or six computers set up so they can all stream. Um, and if you know their old setup and stuff like that, if you've seen pictures or, or even during COVID where they were, or were all at home, um, it's a huge upgrade and even just their content this week and last week uh, after they've revealed it has really shown, like, or this week, has really shown like, oh, okay, um, this is why they spent all this money and time. And at least in my opinion, it's really paying off. So um, if you like um, gaming content, if you like uh, movie content, and just stuff about life and things like that, uh, go check out Kinda Funny. They have two channels. They have Kinda Funny and Kinda Funny Games. So um, check those things out. I am in their streams all the time and, uh, and, and you'll probably see me around if you get into them. On the other hand, we have G4TV. Um, G4TV was revitalized uh, in less than a year ago. Um, if you are older, like myself, you'll remember um, like zd tv tech tv um and then it became g4 eventually um and it um it was a gaming and pc and like electronics focused tv channel that had a bunch of shows that were pretty legendary back in the day because that, that was it was before like youtube and stuff so um you know you couldn't just follow a video game podcaster or a video game channel or whatever this was what you had basically in like magazines and forums. And it was really, really cool. Um, about less than a year ago, they tried to revitalize it. Um, they spent a insane amount of money, um, and had like 200 plus employees, you know, making shows, trying to kind of do the, the G4 TV thing again. It was on cable. I had it on YouTube TV, um, and And they announced you know over the weekend, basically that they were shutting down um without like warning any of the employees before. Most of the people who um, worked there found out by tweet that they were losing their jobs, and It's one of those things where it's a shame it's a bummer to see such a big operation shut down. But then you hear about a bunch of stuff that was happening um apparently, the person who was running the the channel was the was the son of one of the execs at the CBS or something and um like had an office designed to look like Palpatine's like uh apartment or something from the Star Wars movies um and then we found out that there were people that were appearing on the show who were getting paid 25 to 30 thousand dollars per appearance not per year or per month but per appearance, um, and honestly, at the end of the day, the content—they brought back some of the people um, from the old show, Adam Sessler and things like that. But it just wasn't very good. It, it, it had a bunch of talent, uh, the people on it, uh, Danny Pena and stuff like that. Super great creators, very interesting voices. But the ch- I, I tried watching it uh, for a couple weeks. I would pop in and try to watch a show, and it just had no soul. It had no heart. It was just, "Hey, we're G4 TV. Come love us." And um, the chemistry, I think, between the cast didn't seem that great. Um, there's a there there was a big rant by Frost or Frocks or whatever her name was. Um, that angered a bunch of people. And they're like, you know, she insulted the people who, you know, watch their shows because they're sexist and homophobic and all this stuff. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, that's the reason G4 TV shutting down. I mean, it's not, it was going to shut down long before she did that rant. Um, her rant, I wasn't offended by it. I think if you were truly offended by it, she was probably speaking to you. Um, I do think it was a little, like it was a bit much. Um, but that's her, right. That's her voice. And then she left G4 TV and then G4 TV shut down. So, um, I think the writing was on the wall long before that incident. And I think, um, I think this is a a good reminder of, you know, these, these big things may not last forever. Um, for me, it was a matter of, I can watch kind of funny. I can watch giant bomb. I can watch, um, even individual creators who I would argue were, are all making better content than anything G4 TV was doing. And that combined with like probably spending millions of dollars, you know, millions and millions of dollars on something that was probably doing worse than most of the like medium and large gaming creators. It's just not going to work. It's 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 probably just from a bygone era, unfortunately. So, so that's where that's at. Okay. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying this podcast or any of my other content, please check the description of the podcast for various ways to support on Patreon, Twitch, and find merch. Okay, let's talk about Mass Effect. So there's a little bit of news with Mass Effect this week. Uh, Mike Gamble tweeted today on the team. We did something I've been waiting many years to do again. So many feels." Now, obviously, the speculation king, the master of thinking of things and making more out of everything right here, um, made a video. Talked a bunch about this. It means nothing, right? To Michael, it means a lot, I'm sure he was obviously excited about something we're just here to speculate my idea is that um they probably saw something that is some type of reference to the trilogy so my guess was that each of the trilogy games had a big intro of the citadel ship um where like the normandy was flying towards the citadel and everyone on the ship is like oh my gosh look how amazing the citadel is i bet they saw a render of that moment in in the next game because it's going to have something to do with um it it it's it's going to have something to do with uh you know the citadel we we are almost certain the next game is going to take place in the milky way in some capacity and um i just was really excited by it i think it was really cool um for him to just post anything he doesn't tweet very often and um yeah my speculation is it was something like that um i have seen um people make some videos and stuff with their own ideas you can go find those but um, at the end of the day things are happening and that's a good thing for mass effect um we should be excited about that so and then the second bit i was going to speak about pretty quickly is i've had kind of a change of heart about andromeda and if you like Andromeda, you should probably just skip. <laughs> so I played Andromeda for the first time after I played the trilogy the first time. So back in March of 2021, I played through the trilogy. It took me a couple weeks. Um, I played it, was like very moved by it, really, really loved it. Um, and it was like, OK, I don't want to just jump in and play it again. So let's play Andromeda. Let's give it a shot. Played it, blew through all the main missions, didn't really like it never plan on touching it again. Time goes by. I play the trilogy two or three times more. Okay, I'll give it another shot. I'll I'll do the romances. I'll do the loyalty missions, blah, blah, blah. So I play Andromeda again. I don't 100% it because you shouldn't. That game, you shouldn't 100% that game. But I did all of the big stuff and I enjoyed it. I thought I did a romance. It was fine. I did, you know, I did all the loyalty missions. They were really cool. And I finished it and I was like, okay, I like this. Th- this was a nice experience. Three or four more playthroughs of the trilogy go by. I say, you know what, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to romance someone different. I didn't like the romance I got in, in that second playthrough. And I don't know, it's hard for me to explain it, but I got probably about halfway through the game. I started doing side missions, loyalty missions, pursuing some of these new romances and stuff. And I just can't play that game. Uh, Andromeda kind of sucks, man. It's not the worst game I've ever played. It's a solid like 6 out of 10, maybe 5 out of 10. And it's because I didn't like it, and then I liked it, and then I feel like I really started to see it for what it was. And, And what happened was there was a moment where there was a side quest where I ran and spoke to a person. And then I ran through multiple loading screens... To go like touch a console and then I had to run back to that person and then I had to run through a bunch of loading screens. Basically, the problem with that game is, is that beyond beyond the main missions, almost everything else are these like really, really annoying, like fetch quests. Or you'll do some big thing where you'll talk to someone on a ship and then you'll go around these galaxies and pick up these clues and then you'll land on the planet and find this person that you were looking for. And instead of it being this big story moment, they just, with their dumb looking faces, go like, oh, hey, Ryder, here's this thing I have. And then it's it. So, like, even in Mass Effect 1, there were so many side quests and stuff that have, like, a cool payoff that, like, makes you think, um, even as generic and bland as that game was in a lot of ways, it still just felt like it, it like, valued your time. And I, I just don't, I think that's the thing. I don't think Andromeda values your time. Um, beyond all of the other issues, it still has tons of glitches. It still has tons of bugs. On Xbox, it's locked at 30 FPS. They never did an FPS boost, and they never did, like, a next-gen patch for it after it came out. They didn't even do, like, an Xbox One X patch or a PS4 Pro patch. They just dropped it to to work on Anthem. <laughs> so there's still a bunch of things i found that i was like oh wow that's really cool or 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 this or that there's still a bunch of things in andromeda that make me excited for the next game because there was stuff that they either did well in andromeda that i hope we see in the next game or there were concepts that you could tell they tried to explore and just didn't do them very well but the idea of what they were trying to do could be really cool um so Andromeda still has me excited for the next game. I still don't think it's the worst game I've ever played, but after this third playthrough, I probably will never play Andromeda ever again. I I, I play I just hit a wall, and I was like, "Why am I doing this?" I would rather play the trilogy. I, I would, I'd rather play some Call of Duty. I'd rather play all of these other games I have sitting on my back burner. I just why am I wasting my time with Andromeda? This game doesn't respect my time. It, it's just. It just isn't very good and that's where I'm gonna leave it okay so uh, some quick division chat um, there wasn't much to talk about at least in my opinion this week um, they did release the shade uh, SHD Paragon apparel event um, I posted screenshots of all of the items in my discord and on Twitter um, I've just kind of uh, decided that I my idea of what I want from apparel in the division just isn't what they want to make That's fine. They're making that stuff because they're excited to do it or because they have metrics and stats or whatever that tells them, hey, this is the kind of stuff people want. This is what they'll spend money on. Um, And that's cool. You know, the game isn't made for me. Uh, I will accept that gracefully. It's just this stuff is so ugly. Like my issue is that there's three things they could do for me. Who cares? But there's three things they could do for me for interesting apparel. They could give us like modified or whatever versions of like the Black Tusk cosmetics. Because they look dope. They could give us like even just like shade versions of it that like looks unique to the agents but still has the similar design. Um, They could do the same thing with the rogues. The rogues that you fight look, look so cool. And then the final thing they could do is they could literally take the idea of... Because the outfits in the Division 1 just looked so good. And it was all the basic gear. Not all the goofy stuff you had to get from caches. But they had tons and tons and tons of like basic shirts and coats and pants and shoes and hats and helmets and stuff. And then they had multiple color variations of each. And that was like the base cosmetics. And then later they did events where they released like goofier stuff or like super tactical stuff or whatever. The problem with the division two is they skipped that first part. They went straight to the super tactical stuff or the goofy stuff or whatever. They never had that base of like, you know, seven or eight pairs of pants that have like three or four different colorways each and shirts and whatever and hats and all that. And so even if they had an apparel event that was basically like a bunch of the division one gear, but with like the sleeves rolled up and maybe like shorts or something, I don't know. Or like tactical pants. I I don't know. Like, I'm not even that. Like, I don't think I'm asking for much. I just, when I look at these apparel events, they're for someone, there's people in my discord who love them. And so like, obviously they're, they're making it because they have reason to believe people will like it. But it's just made me lose interest. And so now I'm at the point with the division where I play once every three or four weeks when a new target comes out. And then I don't play again because at this point, I don't really care about the season pass. I don't really care about the events. I don't really care about the time trials and leagues. I don't really care about the apparel events. I just want to get those bits of story because they're very interesting. I'm really enjoying that part of the, the, the new content. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Let me know what you think down in the comments if you're on YouTube. Okay, let's jump into listener questions and get this show wrapping up. Uh, If you have any gaming-related questions, topics, or news, please jump into my Discord to post uh, those things uh, for the next episode of the podcast. The link to the Discord should be down in the description of the podcast. Uh, The question this week comes from Master Prime. Uh, First question, do you think graphics are super important for a game to be good? That's what I kind of touched on earlier is I think they matter a lot for marketing. I think they matter a lot for people who like taking uh, like screenshots and things like that. Um, But I think when you get, I think a really good, well-designed game that's lacking like bugs and things like that. Um, that's fun can overcome mediocre graphics more than a game that looks really, 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 really good that is mechanically bad, has like unbalanced systems and things like that. Um, So I think graphics do matter, but I think gameplay is king, and I think it will be for a long time. I think it's why you see so many indie games that are like pixel art and stuff like that um, being so popular right now because people are um, accepting a lower quality of visual for more uh, creative and innovative uh, gameplay mechanics. And then the second question for Master Prime was, best DLC for a game? Um, Undead Nightmare for Red Dead Redemption 1. The Far Cry... far cry 3 blood dragon um mass effect citadel for mass effect 3 and the arrival dlc for mass effect 2 those are the ones that like pop into my head right now so um if you're listening and you have your own again please let me know what they are in the comments um no polls this week and for content updates i'm doing a big giant mass effect giveaway uh, you can check out my Twitter and the Echocast Twitter uh, at Bond Diesel and at the Echocast. If you scroll down through, you should see uh, the, the, the tweets for that. You need to follow the account. You need to retweet the tweet, and that's how you get entered. That's it. You can do it on both accounts and double your entries. So um, I'll be retweeting that and posting about it. Um, there also should be links to it if you're on YouTube on in the community tab, but there should be a post just for the giveaway. That has all the details there. So make sure to get in on that. And that is where we're going to start to wrap this baby up. Please subscribe to the show uh, on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Like this video and comment down below, even if it's just for the algorithm. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. And if you're interested in supporting the show or my other content, please uh, check out Patreon.com/BonDiesel or Twitch.tv/BonDiesel. That is all I have. So until next time. I'm a big boy,